Hey everybody, welcome to a special Q&A version of the Muslim Intelligence Podcast. I'm Eros Mabrikulski, always framing this podcast around living your greatest life in a body that you absolutely love. I get coaches coming to me from all around the world on orders of magnitude. And this is not just meant for coaches, but this is meant for anyone looking to optimize their body and their mind. And coaches come to me and say, you know, Ben, where should I start with my client? And the reason I say this is not just meant for coaches, because if you're anyone who's exercising ever, whether it be running, CrossFit, bodybuilding, weightlifting, anything like that, there's a certain foundational requirement as a human being to optimize your biomechanics, the way you move, your physiology and your psychology. And all these things are integrated, right? These are inextricably linked. You can't separate them. So it's important to acknowledge that if there was one or two things that you knew, if you did these things, everything else would get better, would you do them? And most people go, well, of course. Well, most people are trying to build muscle on a structure, on a foundation that's unstable. Most people are trying to get strong on a foundation that's unstable. Most people are trying to do things that ultimately are asking a high level of performance of their body without first laying a solid foundation. I'm going to tell you today what a solid foundation is. And you guys have heard my moniker of breathe, walk, and meditate. And I didn't pick those haphazardly, and I didn't even order them that way haphazardly, although it does roll off the tongue. I want to talk to you guys today about the implications of breathing and walking on your high-level performance. And I know that doesn't sound sexy, but I promise if you stick with me by the end of it, you're going to start to understand this at a deeper level and understand why this is a more important component than you may believe So let's think about this. When people talk about functional movement, what is functional movement? People are like, oh, it's like things you would do in like sport and stuff like that. Really? No, that's not correct. So the only functional things we do as human beings, the two most functional things we do as human beings are breathing and walking, right? Those are the two functional movements as a human being. There's a natural biomechanical pattern or biomechanical rhythm, if you will, that's a necessary part of both of those functional movements. And guess what? 99% of people I meet do them wrong. And is that very, very subjective? Of course it is, but there's some, there's varying degrees of accuracy and varying degrees of quote unquote right. But I want to walk you through today some really simple realities with respect to walking and breathing that everyone should be paying attention to. So if I breathe, um, you know, X number of times in a day, you know, you guys want to do the math on that. I don't know what it is. It's probably a thousand, well, more than a thousand, actually. So how many times do we breathe? And, and if, if one of them or if all of them ultimately are dysfunctional, meaning I'm supposed to be breathing through this deep, expansive breath cycle, whereby my diaphragm expand, expands down into my stomach, into what's called my thoracolumbar fascia or, or cavity, and my rib cage should be expanding. My sternum lifts up as I inhale, almost like a pump. And then as I exhale, they all collapse down and shrink down into this, almost like a shriveled down balloon, right? So as I inhale, the balloon expands and gets bigger. And as I exhale, the balloon gets smaller, diaphragm comes up under my rib cage. Now, if at any point this becomes inhibited or labored or, you know, to use the catchphrase dysfunctional, every movement that gets stacked on top of that is by definition also dysfunctional. So if I have a limitation in my ability to move my spine, my ability to move my shoulders, and often even my ability to move my hips, 
breathing can be the, is, I should say, the foundational piece that everyone should be addressing before attempting to address a dysfunctional shoulder or a dysfunctional spine or anything like that. If your breathing patterns are contributing to the dysfunction of your movement, the likelihood of improving movement goes becomes less and less and less. So what does functional breathing look like? Well, let's think about this. And I've been just thinking about this lately. So as a child, if you are relatively inactive and you're developing your sensory motor cortex, your body's developing all these different movement patterns and all this at a brain level, at a nervous system level, and at a muscular level, you're relatively inactive. And so these parts of your body maybe don't develop to full capacity. That's a very different reality as to how your body's going to develop and express as an adult. So if you have a child who tends to do a lot of physical activity, sports, um, long distance running, things like that, or anything that requires you to actually use the full capacity of your lungs, they're going to start to develop the full capacity of these breathing muscles, right? So we have muscles that cause inhalation. We have muscles that cause exhalation. It doesn't matter what they are. But realize if I have full inhalation cycles, full inhalation expansions, all those muscles reach this, this lengthened position. And they learn, your, your brain learns that, hey, we're stable here, we're strong here, we can access these extremely lengthened positions. And as you exhale all the way, the brain comes into these really shortened positions. And the nervous system learns, hey, I can contract here, I'm stable here, I'm strong here, I can access these things with relative ease. Now, whether you're a child or you're an adult and you don't access these positions for a long period of time, your brain takes on this mentality of use it or lose it, right? So if you don't use it, you don't go to these big expanded breath cycles or these big constricted breath cycles in the diaphragm and intercostals, guess what? They don't get used. They atrophy. They shrink and they get weak. So what starts to happen is we start to get just a little tighter and through our spine, a little tighter in the muscles around the rib cage and the joints around the rib cage and shoulders. So the necessity of implementing a deep expanded breath cycle uh, as a foundation of all human movement through the upper body particularly can't be overstated so uh, think about what happens as i take a really deep breath in let's say i take a deep breath in on on the order of 60 to 80 seconds six zero to eight zero that's really big like really blowing up this balloon really big so all your intercostals are really expanding. The serratus start to expand. The abdominal muscles start to expand. All these muscles expand. Your spine extends. So you go into a thoracic extension. And then as I blow out, my diaphragm comes back up into my underneath my rib cage. My external obliques contract down. My spine goes into flexion. So I'm getting this natural, almost pumping movement motion going at my spine. And these movements are literally the foundation of human function, human biology, human biomechanics, and ultimately they help control human physiology and psychology. And so when you look at breathing as a foundational piece of human physiology or human function, there's many facets, but the one that seems to be disregarded in many performance realms or many therapy realms is this necessity that breathing has to be considered just like any other muscle in that it needs to be able to access a lengthened muscle lengthened muscle position and a shortened muscle position. So I want to be able to 
fill up my, my diaphragm, fill up my abdominals, fill up my lungs, all the way up into the upper lobe. So if you can imagine three sets of lobes, you get your lower lobes, which sits down in your thoracolumbar uh, cavity, and then you've got your mid lobes, which is kind of under the rib cage, and your upper lobes sit up here just under the clavicle. So all of those have the potential to fill with oxygen as we breathe and ultimately allow for gas exchange in the body. Most people don't use their entire lung capacity, and that's not a bad thing in general. You don't always want to be using all your lung capacity, but it would be nice when you need it to have access to it. Mm -hmm. But having access to it means I need to train it. I need to do it. I need to go there sometimes. And again, the levels and reasons are, are extensive and massive. But as a foundational piece of human movement, I want each and every one of you to acknowledge that if that range of motion, which should look like a balloon blowing up all the way to its expanded position and all the way into its contracted uh, exhaled position, if it doesn't look like that, all movements of the upper body become affected and limited by it. So if you're someone who's lacking shoulder mobility in any plane, if you're someone who's lacking spinal mobility, even someone experiencing neck pain, any of those manifestations, or even just ultimately a, a body that isn't developing in proportion, maybe you have a hard time building your upper pecs, or maybe you have a hard time building certain muscles. The reason you can't build muscles is because your training doesn't allow you to access those muscles. You can't get into the range of motion, so therefore you can't train it. And everyone goes, well, you should stretch. Okay, maybe. Uh, or people go, well, you know, you got to do some mobility work. Okay, maybe. Well, what's the foundation of mobility work? Well, how about a functional breathing cycle that allows you to access a completely expanded diaphragm musculature, a completely expanded rib cage, um, skeletal system and muscular system, which is then, so if you go through all the things that happen, when I take a deep breath in. So let's just go through that quickly. Deep breath in, my spine extends. You can all feel that as you do that. You should feel your rib cage starting to expand. So typically like think of it like pouring a pitcher of water into a glass. So the lower lungs kind of fill first and then the mid lungs and then eventually comes way up here into the upper lungs. And I kind of want you to breathe that way intentionally. And you'll, you'll feel it in your sides. So you're kind of breathing out laterally into the sides in this frontal plane. And then you start, you start feeling it in your back. If you're doing it really well, your back starts pushing. The ribs in the back start pushing out. And that's going to allow your all those muscles to start to expand. So when I take a deep breath in, my spine extends at the thoracic spine. My hips open. So my hip joints actually externally rotate. So I go into more of a position of extra rotation. And ultimately, my scapula kind of sit down my back. They move down my spine a little bit. And as I exhale, I'm going into position of flexion. So my spine is rounding forward. It's slight. I'm exaggerating just for visual purposes. But now with that, my, my scapula goes up. My shoulders roll forward. And my pelvis internally rotates. So all these things are happening just through the breath cycle. Right? Obviously, the shorter your breath cycle, the shorter those movements happen to be. And eventually, if the breath cycle is always very, very short, you never access these lengthened breath cycles. Well, those movements will become your default. So if you're someone who tends to just breathe little bits and you never really do a lot of aerobic work and never <sighs> breathing really heavy and challenging those muscles of inhalation and exhalation, well, that limited breathing pattern will become your default. So therefore, your body will start to limit ranges of motion that match whatever piece or whatever part of the breath cycle you tend to live in. So what that means, if I tend to be always on the high end of my inhalation, just breathe shortly there while slightly inhaled, my body's going to express as having rib cage that's kind of flared up, scapula that's kind of sitting back and down, maybe my shoulders roll back and down, my, my arms may be a little externally rotated, and my hips are externally rotated, meaning like kind of turned out to the side. 
if I'm someone who spends more time on what we'll call an exhale strategy, so at the bottom of my exhale, uh, and I tend to breathe there more often, my hips will be internally rotated, my shoulders will be internally rotated, and my scapula will be upwardly rotated. So kind of sitting up almost into a shrug. And those will be the people who have a hard time usually building the upper pecs, maybe uh, have a little issue with upper back pain, sometimes hip pain. All these things can manifest just as a result of limited or dysfunctional breathing patterns. So even though as, as a you know, therapist out there, a massage therapist, or at least whoever's working on you or, or a coach, trainer, you're going after trying to improve somebody's mobility you're not going after the cause, right? So you're going after the symptom and not the cause. And oftentimes, if not always, the breath is the gateway to unlocking improved mobility, stability, and ultimately accessing these rooms so you can build them. So hopefully that's starting to paint a picture for you guys. And I know sometimes people don't learn very well auditorily and we need a visual. So unfortunately, I don't have a visual for it because it is a podcast. But just thinking about the inhale breath being the breath of expansion. So I expand... Everything, rib cage gets bigger. My shoulders roll back. My hips roll open. I'm really expanding. <sighs> Exhales, the breath of contraction. So I contract down. The shoulders kind of roll forward and up. Pelvis kind of rolls in. Spine crunches forward. Now, an ideal and healthy human being, uh, an athlete, has access to both ends of those. It doesn't mean they live in both ends of those. It doesn't mean I'm always trying to breathe 60 seconds in, 60 seconds out on every breath. But I need to be able to access that. And there's a lot of ways we can get into uh, looking and seeing which kind of manifestation you are, but obviously not really time and place on a podcast. And there's another level to this, right? What if one side is really, really expanded all the time? I mean, let's say you, maybe you breathe into one side more than the other. One, one side is really tight for whatever reason. That could be from trauma. That could be from injury. That could be from any number of things. What if you tend to breathe in one side more than the other? Well, what's going to happen to the mus the bones, right? So the muscles muscle system moves the skeletal system. So muscles move bones. So if one side of your body is really expansive and it's able to contract and move, and the other side's kind of tight, how's that going to affect everything you do, right? So it's going to start impacting everything you do from exercise to walking to sleeping to even just breathing. So now you can't access that side. Well, is the solution to stretch, is the solution to go, hey, I have a scoliosis, I need to go get my spine stretched. Or is the solution, again, I'm not saying clinically that this is a cure to scoliosis, but I'm saying there's certainly some implications to be considered that say, my muscles move my bones. And if my muscles are tight on one side or the other, or just in general, it can massively implicate on my skeletal system. So considering breathing as the primary access point to better mobility through the upper body. Now, I don't want to spend too much time on this because I want to keep this podcast short, but so just thinking about that. So do you have a deep breath practice allowing your diaphragm to expand and contract? And if you don't, maybe it's aerobic work. Maybe it's doing some high intensity aerobic stuff that you're very consciously breathing down into your diaphragm and extending that breath cycle to improve those muscles of respiration, right? Improve the inhale and exhalation muscles. You don't need to know the names. It doesn't even matter. But just like how long can you inhale? How long can you exhale? Can you comfortably hold your breath in those positions? And this is why I've taken a liking to yoga. Is yoga, the way I practice, is a five minimum five count. And usually it's a very slow five count in and a very slow five count out. And then a hold on each end and maintaining some uncomfortably molded position ultimately and trying to breathe 
functionally into these places that you lack mobility. So I'm doing some type of twisting movement and I can feel something's tight. I'm intentionally trying to breathe into it, relax and get out of it. And ultimately trying to allow your body to relax the musculature in that area. So connecting your breath with your movement is a huge opportunity that exists for all of us now, not to spend too much time on that, like I said, but walking, here's another thing. So if you don't walk, functionally, right? So how many times a day do you take steps? Most of us should average 10,000 plus steps a day. So if that's in any way dysfunctional, what does that mean? Well, maybe your feet are flat. That's dysfunctional. Maybe your feet don't move because you've been wearing shoes for too long. That's dysfunctional. If you end up slap footing, so your heel strikes and you slap, slap, slap. Well, everything up the chain is going to be dysfunctional. So from the way your hip works to the way your knee works, uh, now the way your back and shoulders ultimately work, so every single step you take needs to be considerate of what's actually happening at the level of the foot, what's happening at the level of the knee, the hip, and maybe the, the rotation that exists of the spine. So there's a lot of stuff you guys can do to start paying attention to the strength of your feet. And the first and most important thing is what are the footwear you're using, right? So if the footwear doesn't allow your foot to move, similar to like a hand, right? You should be able to do stuff like this. You know, and I'm sitting here kind of like I'm playing a piano with my fingers or I'm, I'm expanding my hand like a, like a web of a, of a goose or something and I'm contracting it in. Being able to access all those different positions of the foot is imperative to improving foot function. Now, why does foot function matter? Well, foot is meant to be a shock absorber, right? So if I have a, a, all these muscles functioning in my foot, I have a nice healthy arch, that, that almost acts like a shock absorber. So when I land on the ground, it should, sh it should cushion my knees and my hips. If I'm flat-footed, all those shock absorber muscles are gone. So I just boom, 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 shock. And, and not only is it um, no longer absorbing the shock that's going to then be dissipated through my knees and my hips, it's also limiting that mobility that's supposed to happen, that natural pronation that happens when you land on the outside of your foot, you roll to the middle. There's a rotation that happens all the way up through the knee and into the hip. So if I'm just flat-footing, that rotation that's supposed to happen at the foot doesn't. So now the, the limit, the range of motion becomes limited oftentimes at the knee and the hip. So that like, oh gosh, you know, my hips feel really, really tight. Yeah, no shit they do. It's because your body doesn't go through these ranges of motion, you use it or lose it. If you don't go through these ranges, guess what happens? They break. You don't get to access them anymore. Your body goes, sorry, man, you can't even walk with that little amount of force that's being applied on your body with walking. You can't even get in these ranges. And now you want to put weight on my back. And ask me to go through these internal external rotation movements that have to happen at the hips, knees, and ankles. And you can't do it. And you're gonna, you can't do it with walking. And now you're going to add weight on your back. No, thank you. Not into it. Your body goes, your brain says, eh, eh tighten up or we're going to get hurt. Can't do it. Can't sustain force output with this amount of resistance. So your, your brain, but you, because you're going to will your way through it. And you're really strong-willed. You say, I'm going to do it anyways. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through the pain. Your body gets tighter because your body increases neural inflammation. Your body goes, oh, gosh, I'm going to get tighter. And then I start to get pain, and the range of motion gets even tighter. And then I end up hating exercise because, like, gosh, you know, that, I didn't really enjoy that. I don't like that exercise. That hurts me. Yeah, no shit it does because you didn't do anything that's foundationally essential to improve your mobility and stability. So without letting this drag on too long, I hope to keep this under 20 minutes, without letting it drag on too long, I highly suggest each and every one of you begin to implement a breathing, walking, and meditation practice into your life. So meditation is exercise for your brain. If you can't center your brain to have a thought for that last, ultimately, minutes, if not hours, you are not a highly performing human being. You are not a highly functioning human being. You're just not. You're not performing at your best. And that's not a shot. That's just the reality. We're trying to get your brain centered 
We're trying to get your brain to where you can focus on a single point. So what does meditation look like? Listen, if you can't meditate, turn your breath practice, the one we just briefly introduced, into a meditation practice. And here's what you got to do. Pay attention to where you feel the breath. Some of you, that can be the tip of the nose. Some of you, that can be up into your chest. Some of you, that can be in your diaphragm. And I want you to just pay attention to it for the first couple of days. Just like, where do I feel this? And just focus on that. And if you can focus on, okay, now I feel it in my nose. Well, I want to feel it more in like my, my diaphragm. Maybe I could start to kind of orchestrate it a little bit. I could start to move it a little bit. Like, oh, okay, I'm going to move it deeper into my diaphragm. And now when I relax, I'm going to let my diaphragm come up and inside underneath my rib cage. Okay, now I can just focus on that feeling. And maybe I can direct it. Oh, gosh, you know, I feel a little bit of tightness on this side, on my right side. Okay, I'm going to inhale and try to send more of the air into that side. So all you're really doing effectively is allowing the muscles on that side to expand. So why is that useful? Well, now, instead of breathing into one side and, and creating this dysfunctional breathing pattern, maybe just by paying attention to my breath, I can improve the functional breathing, the biomechanical requirement or necessity of the breath and turn that into the meditation, right? So you see the single point of focus is what meditation is. So you're accomplishing two benefits. You have a single point of focus and you have what's called interoception, which is paying attention to the inside of your body rather than the outside. So breath can exist uh, at the nose, breath can exist in your mind, you know, you're breathing through your mouth, whatever it is. But really we wanna create this nasal breath that allows us to start paying attention to what's happening inside of our body. And what you'll notice is if you start getting really good at it, or at least diligent with it, like your spine kind of feels a little bit longer when you inhale. Now when I exhale, I'm actually pulling my pelvic floor up and letting the diaphragm come up inside. Now, gosh, my posture feels better. Gosh, now my shoulder mobility feels better. My spinal mobility feels better. My shoulders don't hurt as much when I press. Or when I do these exercises, that's really interesting. I don't know why that is. I think that guy, Ben, said something about, gosh, this might help me. Yes, it absolutely will. So if you're someone who suffers with shoulder pain, spinal pain, or hip pain, and you don't have a breath practice, I promise you, stop looking for the pill, the potion, or the physical therapist, or whatever it is who's going to fix this for you. If you're not willing to do the work on your own to improve your breath and your feet and your hips, ultimately, nothing's going to change for you. So this is a big part of my muscle building message, the message of muscle intelligence. It's not just about how hard you work. It's learning to lay the foundational pieces that can improve your body's function at a, at a base level. And gosh, if you look at the implications of the breath on the psychology and just the physiology and stress management and being able to access your brain, that's a whole different conversation for a different podcast. But the implications are literally second to none. So guys, if you're looking for things that are going to have the greatest bang for your buck in changing your life from a, ability to perform and ability to manage stress and abilities to create deep focus, the breath is the key. And here's the cool thing. You could actually turn a walking practice into something that includes all of the breathing, the walking, and the meditating at once. How do you do it? Go for a walk, leave your phone at home, unplug your headphones, and just walk. Pay attention to how your feet hit the ground. Pay attention to your breath cycle. Can you extend the breath cycle? Can you shorten the breath cycle? Can you pay attention to the interoception, how the body feels on the inside, how the diaphragm feels as it expands into the belly, as it contracts up under the, under the ribcage? You pay attention to that. Maybe the next meditation is I'm just going to pay attention. But once I've kind of locked in that breath, maybe I'm going to pay attention to just what I hear. What are those sounds you hear? And I'm just really going to zero in on those. And maybe from there, I'm going to cycle to what do I feel? I feel the sun beating against my face and the warmth of the sun 
causing the bead of sweat to roll down my back. And I'm feeling the, the pressure of my feet hitting the floor. I'm feeling the muscles of my glutes contract as I push into the floor and I take my long steps. I'm feeling my spine rotate and my arms swing and feeling the material of my shirt rubbing against my chest and all these different proprioceptive cues that you can use that ultimately turn walking into a meditative experience. And that's the, the key, right? Is, is creating this interoception, creating this internal experience that allows you to start paying attention to your body. So as I sum up and summarize this brief Q&A, I appreciate your time, guys. And hopefully that provided some value for you. Maybe the type of thing you want to go through and listen to again. And if you have questions, because I'm sure you will, I would love to hear from you. So please go ahead and contact me on social media. I would love it if you guys left a review. Um, tell me if you enjoy this podcast. Tell me if you want more like this. So this is the type of stuff that I'll cover with my coaches, with my clients, with my mentoring group. Hey guys, like this stuff, unless you can do this stuff, all those other things you're trying to do downstream aren't going to be as useful. They're not going to be as beneficial. You're not going to be able to lift as heavy, run as fast, work as long without getting injured. I promise. So if you're not willing to put in the, the 20 minutes a day that it takes to do this breathe, walking, and meditating piece, you're just not committed to your goals. And if that's, if that's you, that's okay. If you admit that, that's okay. But I at least want you to know that this is the foundation of all human movements. So if you're going to do anything for yourself over the next 30 days, commit to a diligent practice of breathe, walk, meditate. You guys can uh, tag me in the hashtag breathe, walk, meditate, or BWM, not BMW, but BWM hashtag. If you guys want to do that, you can tag me on that. I'd love to hear from you and tell me how it works for you. Tell me how it feels and tell me any problems you're having. You're having a limitation in something. Tell me about it. So if, hey man, you know, my feet really hurt or my ankles really hurt or something. Let's see if we can find a solution within this brilliant community we have. I might not be able to find a solution, but somebody will. We have incredible minds in this community and someone out there is willing to help. And I would love to hear from you. You guys can also join the Muscle Intelligence Facebook community, private group, no charge. We've got some incredible human beings contributing in there and always tightening up the reins in that group so we make sure the information stays very, very high. I'd love to hear about your transformations and how Muscle Intelligence has helped you. We've got this incredible community we're building around humans that just want to live their greatest life and lead with their heart. Right? I want to live a life that's an adventure, that helps humans, that ultimately leaves this place better than I found it. And uh, I really appreciate you guys being part of that mission. So today's podcast is brought to you guys by Blue Blocks. You know, Blue Blocks are my all-time favorite blue blockers. I'm going to throw on my clear blue blockers now, which I usually wear, except I don't want to have a podcast because if you're seeing me in person you can see or on, on video, you can see how the blue reflects off my light, um, off my eyes. And I'd like for you guys to be able to see my apparently tired-looking eyes today. This is my fourth podcast of the day. But, you know, I want you guys to be able to see, and, and I usually will wear them, you know, 100% of the time almost when I'm not on a podcast. But, gosh, the difference I see, if you guys ever watch me on a podcast, sometimes you see I'm blinking kind of uncontrollably. And, gosh, maybe I've got weak my eye musculature, but it seems to only happen when I'm in these fluorescent flickery lights and staring at a blue screen. And I can mitigate that just by throwing on a pair of blue blocking glasses from Blue Blocks. And Blue Blocks is hooking you guys up. You head over to blueblocks.com and use the code MUSCLE. You're going to get... 15% off um, all of your blue blocking needs. And I've used my sleep mask almost every night now. It's an absolute uh, game changer. My room is relatively dark anyways, but I find that uh, maybe it's just the, the pressure against my eyes tends to help me wake up feeling absolutely refreshed and rejuvenated. So thank you to Blue Box for making this podcast happen. And uh, I'd love to hear from you guys. So I, again, thank you for your time. I appreciate you being here. I appreciate you giving us your time. And Ashley and I are both grateful for you 
and your time and for, for contributing to this mission of all of us living our greatest life in a body we love. Keep lifting each other up, help each other, and let's all thrive now and forever. Thank you so much for tuning in to Muscle Intelligence. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to share it with at least one person you know. Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. The statements and views on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Ben Pikulski and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements or advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest and products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.